0: Y'all, are a good-looking bunch. You feel good-looking? Just <laughs> turn the person beside you and say, "You, you look good." Tom's. Somebody look at Tom and tell Tom he's awesome. Yeah. So today we're going to finish up uh, This series that we've been in uh, on on the life of Joseph. That's Joseph of the. There you go. I want to make sure you've been listening over the last few weeks. And uh, if you've been with us, and I love I this story. And, and one of the reasons I love this story is because for years, if if somebody was in the Bible, if there was a character in the Bible, then I thought they were like super saints. Anybody else like that besides me? I mean, I would I would think, I don't want to study the life of somebody in the Bible because they're like so good. I would make me feel worse about myself. Right? and the interesting thing is is when you start looking at their lives you think man they're a mess and their lives could be so messy and Joseph's life was definitely messed up it was a life of ups and downs it was it was the kind of life that honestly would make you question God certainly question the love of God if you don't question the existence of God you absolutely would have to you would think get to a point at the bottom of of one of those trials and tribulations as we like to say in church you would say God like do you love me at all Do, do you like care about me at all if you look at his life he was chosen and rejected loved and hated favored and abused betrayed and rescued promoted and imprisoned tested and rewarded slandered and praised it's crazy it's a crazy kind of life but we all to some degree or another can say this is my life and maybe you haven't experienced quite the life and that's another good thing about looking at sometimes these people in the Bible because you can think your life is really bad and then you can look at somebody in the Bible and go well you know what at least my life's not as bad as theirs <coughs> his would be one of those kinds of life one of those kind of lives I want to use um, my old backpack this morning finally got a use for it besides just carrying my notes on Sunday morning and my mints because you got to have fresh breath right like what if you wanted to come down and me to lead you to Jesus this morning and my breath was so bad you couldn't stand it that wouldn't be good right So, always popping mint in it's not in my notes or anything I'm just making this up so anyway this is uh this, this bag represents my life and, and these rocks these rocks represent a lot of things these rocks represent lies I went through a season of my life I don't know if you've ever been through a season of, uh, in your life like this but I went through a season in my life when it seemed like every time I turned around somebody was lying about me behind my back Any, anybody else ever gone through that I mean, like, somebody's slandering you. And, the, and the, the thing that makes that so frustrating is there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, you can try to fight it, but there's really nothing you can do about it. And I would say that maybe one rock would represent that, but I mean, I've got to be honest with you. That's a lot of rocks for me. One of the things I learned about being in the ministry is you can't be in the ministry. You can't be in front of people all the time without having people talk about you. Lie about you. These rocks represent hurt for me. I remember when Karen and I were in seminary, uh, we were making—I uh, was making uh, a, a whole eleven thousand dollars a year. Had a brand new baby, uh, Emily was was just a few months old, and I uh, started this little church, and and I learned I learned after. Uh, four five six months I learned that that our the treasurer in this little church decided that she wouldn't pay our insurance anymore she decided it all on her own there wasn't a meeting where she met with some people there, there wasn't a situation in her church where financially we were being um, we were going under she, she just didn't like me and so she quit paying my insurance I, we had no coverage on on a baby that just brought in the world. I guess you could say that that's church hurt, and <laughs> we're gonna have to get some more rocks because we all go through church hurt, don't we? This thing's are getting heavy. There are some bigger rocks, and if I could be really honest, I think that probably one of the biggest rocks I've had to deal with in my life is is probably and I don't I don't know to use two different words or somehow they all roll into one but it's betrayal and abandonment I got to be honest I didn't realize just how much betrayal and abandonment that I experienced in my life until I went through a 12-step study and if you haven't gone through a 12-step study and you think I don't need one because I'm good I'm not an addict then shame on you. You should know more about 12-step studies because it's it's more than just for alcoholics and drug addicts. It's for people with hurt. Hurt. I learned that my first real experience with abandonment was with my dad when I was 10 years old. Now, it wasn't his fault. He died. He died of lung cancer. That was a big rock. and then I could probably tell you about a friend one of the best friends I ever had in the world I'd never been as close to another male not before or since quite honestly and there was betrayal and abandonment it hurt and then I have other rocks they're they're bigger rocks that represent that betrayal and abandonment. Whew. Better zip this up. I wouldn't want any of those rocks to fall out. Oh man. So here's my question. How many rocks, what kind of rocks, are you carrying? Maybe you have a parent that abandoned you. Maybe you have a spouse who betrayed you. Maybe there's some kind of abuse that you that you suffered, and maybe that was sexual abuse. Maybe that was just verbal abuse, psychological abuse, but abuse. We all got rocks that we carry. There are different kinds of rocks. There are different amounts of rocks. There are different sizes rocks. There are different color rocks so the question is not if you have rocks it's not the question the question really is what are you going to do with your rocks some of us have been carrying these rocks around for years and we've continued to accumulate rocks over the years I can at least go back to it I'm sure that there are more rocks that I have but going through the 12-step study the most significant rock for me was the death of my father and then that started that whole feeling of abandonment and struggling through abandonment and I carried it for years sometimes we complain about our rocks to other people sometimes we say have you have you seen my bag of rocks have you have you seen my bag of rocks I bet my bag of rocks is bigger than your bag of rocks And I bet my bag of rocks is heavier than your bag of rocks. I almost brought uh, several bags. Because I thought that really, if I were telling the truth, what started off as being more of a smaller bag grew into maybe one of those 55-inch big duffel bags. sometimes we use our rocks as weapons you'll wake up now won't you <laughs> I really I'm not kidding you I did think about tossing but I knew as soon as I did that somebody would miss and your light and hit you right in the forehead that wouldn't be good <clears throat> sometimes we, we use those rocks and we want to we want to throw those rocks at the people that have hurt us so we actually hold on to these rocks and they they serve a purpose they serve a, a much bigger purpose if anything anything, I've learned in life is hurting people hurt people others of us just love to sit down and go through our bag of rocks and we love it when we can have people to gather around with us we love to look at our rocks we like to hold our rocks and we like to talk about our rocks to others and we like to lament over our rocks remember the time and especially when other people are talking about their rocks and And so we say, I've got a rock. And you say, well, that rock, your rock's a little bitty rock compared to my rock. For some of us, honestly, we've just come to really love our our bag of rocks. And we just keep adding to that bag of rocks every day to a place where it's almost become too heavy to carry. One of the things that I love about the story of Joseph is that in this last scene in chapter 50 of his life, I believe that what he does is he he teaches us what to do with the rocks. Because Joseph had rocks in his life, remember? He started off he didn't have any rocks. He started off he was his father's favorite son. In fact, everybody knew he had 11 other brothers. All of them knew that he was the favorite son. All of them knew that that their dad loved him more than they did them so they were carrying some rocks rocks of of bitterness and anger resentment all kinds of rocks that they were carrying but he didn't have any rocks until that one fateful day remember when he was coming out to kind of check on them they were out in the field they were working and he was really coming out to get a report for his dad so he could go back and tattle on his brothers and they saw their opportunity and they beat him up and threw him in a pit and we're gonna leave him there to die and then one of the really nice brothers a couple of them said well let's don't let's don't kill him let's sell him remember and so then he started to accumulate some some rocks in his life so then he was sold into slavery then he was lied and, and then God blessed everything that he did even as a, as a slave in this rich Egyptian officials home but then that rich Egyptian's wife lied about him and accused him of rape, and then he was thrown in prison. And he's just continuing to kind of accumulate rocks. And then while he was in prison, remember, it, there were these two guys. There was the butcher, the baker, and the candlestick maker. That's, that, I'm just kidding. But you, 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 the baker, right, you remember? And so you remember they had dreams, and then he interpreted the dreams, and he looked at the baker, and he said, just Listen, one thing, one thing I want you to do, just remember me. You know, tell my story when you're out, and maybe this will get me out of prison. And he was forgotten about, and there was another rock probably that he should carry. But then Pharaoh had, remember Pharaoh had the dreams. He had two dreams, actually, and, and Joseph interpreted those dreams. And, and maybe he was getting rid of some rocks. He was promoted to second in command of Egypt. Life is good. And then there was the time of the famine. Remember the famine? If you remember from last week, Joseph's brothers who think that he's dead, they're not sure. They've never seen him or heard from him again. They're thinking that possibly he's dead. And they come to Egypt to buy food because one of the interpretations, the interpretation of one of those dreams was that, that, that Egypt, the, the world is going to go through this difficult time of, of famine. <clears throat> and so everybody was coming to Egypt to get food and Joseph's brothers were coming to Egypt to buy food and and Joseph was the one that was in charge of the distribution of that food so they appear before Joseph and Joseph recognizes them but they don't recognize him and so the big thing for him was he wanted to know if there had really been any change in their lives and you've been there too right somebody's wronged you and they come to you and they apologize but you don't know really if their hearts are sincere you're not really sure if there's uh if there's true repentance if they've really turned from their old ways and turned away from that and if they're brand new and so he gives them a series of tests and through these series of tests he thinks you know what it looks like there's some remorse here it looks like there's been repentance but i'm just not quite sure he's looking for some reconciliation it's hard to believe that he is I mean you would think that really all he can think about was what can I do to my brothers I can throw them all in prison I can have some of them killed I mean I can accuse them of being spies remember he put the gold he put their silver he put their money back in their bag he could have accused them of of robbery all these things he could have done used it against them but what he wants is reconciliation it's hard to imagine, but that is the way it is sometimes. I found it in my life that sometimes the people rejected me the most are the people that I want to love me the most. It's crazy how that works out sometimes. The last thing that we saw was Joseph spreading out this big feast for his brothers, who again don't know he's their brother. So let's pick up the story in Genesis 45. Here's what it says. Then Joseph He could no longer control himself. For all his attendants, and he cried out, "Have, have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him and Pharaoh's household heard about it. So Joseph, can you picture this scene in your mind? All the hurt, all the pain, all the abuse that he suffered. And finally, he gets the opportunity. He looks into the eyes of his brothers, and he says, I'm Joseph. I'm, I'm Joseph. Is my father still living? I love this next verse. But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified. And I'm thinking, like, if I'd been one of those brothers, I'd been terrified too, wouldn't you? You're thinking back. You know what? We, we beat you up. We beat you up, left you bloody, threw you in a pit, and left you there to die. And then somehow, a couple of us, with a little more mercy, they were just selfish. They had their own motivation for doing what they did, not because they had great compassion. Sold this very prominent man now into slavery. And they're scared out of their minds. I understand then Joseph said to his brothers come close to me and I'd be thinking I don't think so big brother can we talk about this a little bit more he said come close to me when he had done so he said I am your brother Joseph the one you sold into Egypt Hmm. and all of the things that I would think he would say next he doesn't say and now, don't be distressed, and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me. Okay, if y'all been in church your whole life, you go, "Yay!" That God sent me ahead of you. Now, if you're religious you don't think about this but if you're not super religious and if you've been hurt by God at all in your life like maybe one of the rocks that you carry if we're just gut level honest it is a big rock and really if you were to write a name on that rock it'd be God and I've been there too just so you know and no it wasn't when I was out in the world smoking dope and running and wild and all no it wasn't then it was literally while I was pastoring a church And and, and I gave up everything I had to follow Jesus and things weren't working out for me so I thought about that I've, I've, I've read this Lord only knows how many times I've read this passage of scripture in the last few months and every time I read that I stop I underlined it this morning God sent me that wasn't encouraging to me I know some of y'all are more spiritual than I am. For two years now, there's been a famine in the land. If the next five, there's going to be no plowing, no reaping. <laughs> but God sent me. There he goes again. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, it wasn't you who sent me here. But God, doesn't that make you feel better? So if you've had some struggles in your life, if you've, like, you know, if your life has had the ups and downs, too, and when you were up here, you said, oh, sweet, Jesus has blessed me, yay, God. But when you were down here, I bet, how many of you said, oh, thank you, God, for the trials and the tribulations and the troubles in my life? Because, listen, when you're down here, it's not just that you're not receiving the blessing. It's, It's not that. It's just when you're down here, you question the love of God, right? maybe not the power of God maybe you don't question I never questioned the power of God but I did question the love of God God do you really love me I feel like that you're responsible he goes on to say he said he made me a father to Pharaoh Lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt now hurry back to my father and say to him this is your son what your son Joseph says God made me Lord over all Egypt Come down to me. Don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me, you and your children and your grandchildren, your flocks and your herds and all that you have, and I'm going to provide for you. You did me wrong. You wanted to kill me. You didn't kill me. You spared my life, but you sold me into slavery. However, I'm going to provide for you. Because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you will become destitute. <clears throat> this is not the heart of a bitter man. This is a heart of this, this is the heart of a man who I don't He learned how to deal with his rocks. Because he had rocks. He had a sack of rocks. He had a sack bigger than this one, a lot heavier than this one. He learned to deal with his rocks. It's crazy. Just when you think. The story couldn't be any more out there. If you read between the lines, if you've ever been hurt, you can see for yourselves, and so can my brother Benjamin that it's really it really is I who am speaking to you. Tell my father about all the honor accorded to me in Egypt and about everything that you've seen, and bring my father down here quickly. Then he threw his arms around his brothers. I wonder if they flinched. Just the stuff that goes through my brain. He, so as he comes, I'm going to think, oh, I'm mean, thinking that he's probably going to swing at least hit a couple of them. You know, he threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and he wept, and Benjamin embraced him weeping, and he kissed all of his brothers and he wept over, over them all. Afterwards, his brothers talked with him. Wow, man, what a story! What an incredible reunion! And then seventeen years go by. Seventeen years go by. There's this incredible reunion with with his dad, I and mean, you can imagine that. So the family's back together. It seems like all the rocks have been dealt with. And then seventeen years pass, and in that time Joseph continues to rule in Egypt. And his father's and his brothers, they live in Egypt, and they're taken care of. And then finally, Jacob dies. And it brings us to this last scene. In Genesis 50. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, "What if? Like, what if the only reason that that Joseph has really been loving and gentle and kind and has provided for us, maybe the what if the only reason's been because really he loved dad. He was he was dad's favorite son I mean dad loved him more What if this special relationship and what if, he, what if everything that he's done for us He only did because he loved dad So what if Joseph holds a grudge against us And pays us back for all the wrongs that we did to him So they're still hanging on to their rocks Because they got rocks too They, they have some rocks of guilt and shame. Any, anybody else have any? Because, man, I have, oh. The thing that the devil has used against me for so long in my life, for so many years of my life, was all the guilt and the shame. I could go back and pick up every rock of sin that I'd ever committed. <clears throat> I have a terrible memory. Karen will tell you I have a ter- terrible memory. Most of the people that know me really well will tell you don't expect him to remember because he's not I have a terrible memory but it's interesting to me that I've never forgotten a sin that I committed and that I rehearsed that over and over and over in my mind I can't tell you the number of times that I've prayed and asked God to forgive me of that sin over and over and over and over and over again not being able to really let go of those rocks of sin those rocks of shame that rocks of guilt so they're still holding on to their bag of rocks so they sent word to Joseph saying your father left these instructions before he died and this is what you're to say to Joseph I ask you to forgive your brothers and the sins and the wrongs that they committed in treating you so badly now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father and when their message came to him he wept it's interesting isn't it, he wept His brothers came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. I love this. Am I I in the place of God? Am I God? No. You intended harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being, being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. He reassured them, and he spoke kindly to them so let's ask the question again what are you going to do with your rocks what do you do with the wrongs that have been committed against you the, the, the lies that have been told I mean whatever the abuse that's been done what, whatever, what are you going to do with your what are you going to do with your rocks what are you going to do with your guilt and your shame what are you going to do with that because those, are, those are big, They were big rocks for me maybe, maybe not you they were big rocks for me to carry. What, so the question is, what are you going to do? You just can't pretend that they don't exist because they do exist. And for you to lie and to say, oh, I'm I'm good. Because I've done that. I've done that in my own life. <coughs> I've said, I'm good. I'm really, I'm good. I'm, I'm, everything's okay. God bless you, my brother. Talk among yourselves. even even if you can reach a point of forgiveness you can't deny the reality of the rocks they still exist but there are two other realities that you need to consider and they're really really powerful here's the first one the powerful reality of God's sovereignty that's a big, hairy church word, right? Sovereignty. If you're brand new to church, if you've been in church your whole life, you may have heard that word used many, many times. And right now, for the life of you, if we were to say, give us a definition, you'd go, man, I'm not sure. You know, it's just one of them big old church words. I don't. So what does it mean? Here's what it means. It's really simple. It just means God's in control. Ultimately, God is always, not like he's just in control. I, I should have expanded this in my notes and I should have said he's always in control. He's always in control over everything. Does that make you feel better? Because what that means is that God is in control of everything, all the things that happen in our lives. Joseph had this incredibly high view of of the sovereignty of God. In fact, three times, Genesis 45, in verse 5, verse 7, verse 8, he says, it wasn't, it wasn't really you who sent me here. It wasn't you. It was God. So does that mean the brothers really weren't responsible? And all the people that have harmed you, that they were just a part of God's great plan. <laughs> and so you can look at them and say, I forgive you. It wasn't you. It was God being mean. Isn't that kind of how that sounds? Is it just me? And I know we're in church and we're on Sunday morning But doesn't it kind of just sound like I'm going to let you off the hook Because in reality it was God that was being mean to me It wasn't you No, it doesn't change the fact that people were wrong That people sinned against you It doesn't doesn't change that They don't get off the hook either So it's not like they can stand before God and say Hey God, I know, I know, I know We beat him up and threw him in the pit I know, I know But then, you know, but then a couple of us had hearts, and so then we just sold him into slavery. But you really can't do anything to us because it was a part of your great plan. Judas sold Jesus out, right? So when Judas stands before God, can Judas just say, hey, 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 hey. It was part of your great plan. I'm good, man. I I get a free pass. No, it doesn't mean that. Their intention was wrong. Their actions were wrong. This isn't letting them off the hook. And God was still sovereign over it and using it for his plans. Just to be clear, God is never, ever, ever the author of evil. But he steers it and he does use it. So, they intended it for evil, but God intended it for good. Joseph had a bag of rocks. Here's the weird thing. Are you leaning in? He trusted God with the rocks. Aren't you glad you came today? Come on, that's setting somebody free. Simple. Isn't that what you wanted to hear? Those of you that have a big bag of heavy rocks isn't isn't that what's going to set you free just trust God with your rocks I wasn't it doesn't do a lot for me and and, and maybe I'm too honest sometimes I mean some of you are thinking yeah just trust God yeah right I don't want to trust him I don't trust him so let me suggest that you do this because this is what I've had to learn to do Hmm. let me tell you what you do with your rocks and please hear me I'm not trying to be churchy and I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm fixing to say take your rocks to the cross take them to the cross Because at the cross, you're going to see God's sovereignty. Listen. Why? What difference does the cross make? i, I tell you what difference it's made to me. And and I said it last week. We were <laughs> trying to do a Facebook live thing, and we got shut down several times. And we finally, I don't know if you ever saw it or not, we finally came across for able, But we talked about uh, communion, and then we focused a little bit on the crucifixion and one of the things that I said was probably one of the most powerful things in my life, what changed my life more than anything else is not just the fact that I knew that Jesus died for me but with the details of the crucifixion the details of the scourging, what Jesus went through before he ever got to the cross I didn't know that, I was raised in church I I knew the cross was pretty bad I I knew it was pretty bad but I had no earthly idea what he went through before he got to the cross I had no idea that literally very few people lived through a scourging He was beaten almost to death. I won't go through all the gory details, but I will say this. The back of Jesus' back, beat 39 times with the scourge. Historians say, I've heard doctors, I've read where doctors have have said that his back would have been reduced to no more than raw hamburger meat. What difference does that make? Because every time I start to look at my life, and, I, and I'm angry because God didn't answer a prayer because I, I, I'm not living the easy life and things aren't turning out the way I thought. The thing that's kept me in the game, so what's kept you, what's kept you fighting? Because we've had to fight for over 25 years. We've had to fight for everything that we've got. We had to fight for it. What kept me in the fight is because I can look at the cross and go, You know what, Jesus, really? What am I fussing about? You died. And you didn't just die. they didn't, they didn't just stick a needle in your arm or, or strap you to an electric chair. You went through the most gruesome, painful death that anybody could imagine, and you did that for me. And you know what? You know what I love? On the cross, you know what Jesus said? My God, my God, what? Why did you why have you forsaken me? And so the, th- the beauty of that is that when I go to Jesus with my bag of rocks and I'm whining, He can say, I understand. I, I-, I know what that feels like. I- there was a time for me too when I felt like my dad had turned his back on me. But His sovereign care, it was that act on the cross that took care of the sins of And I've learned, I've learned in my life We do what we do here We have the heart for people that we have here Because of the hurt that I've experienced in my life That's the truth The rejection, the abandonment So people matter to us And we're not perfect at it And we're still going to mess it up But we're trying Okay, i got to hurry Second reality You you can't go to the cross and not see the reality of your own sin. You just can't. It's impossible. It's impossible for me. And and then you, can, can you see the nastiness of it? Most of the people that we reach aren't real super churchy, religious kind of people. So most of the people we reach understand the depth of their sin. That's part of the, why I love pastoring his church. That's why, I love, that's why I love y'all so much is we don't have a lot of arrogant, religious, pharisaical types of people. We have people that say, I'm a sinner, man. I'm messed up. And here's the thing, that when you go to the cross, so when, when I am so concerned about what other people have done to me, and I was, just, just to be honest, a couple of weeks ago, man, I thought, really, Lord? It's like, what did you want to do, slide any, you know, illustration in there? Couldn't we have done this another way? <clears throat> Somebody hurt me. They wounded me. It was, it was an act of betrayal for me. I felt abandoned. And I'm feeling kind of puffed up. I've been faithful I've stood by and then (laughs) you know what and Jesus has the nerve to take me to the cross and when he did he said really you know what Scott I don't do this for you much you've wallowed enough in your own sin and the guilt and the shame of it but before you throw that first stone at somebody else look at your own pile of rocks and when I did my heart my heart just changed some of you are really tired you're tired of carrying around your big bag of rocks But as tired as you are of carrying the weight and the burden of all those rocks, you had not been able to let it go. You're still carrying it. You're still angry at other people. You, you still have that nastiness inside of you, that anger, that bitterness, that every time you see somebody else, you're filled with all this stuff. And, and some of you, you know what, you come to church, you see that person every week, and you're still filled with that. You know, so how do, you, how do you let go of your rocks? You got to remember that nothing has happened in your life that wasn't sifted through the hands of God, who is always in control and has the power to take whatever it is that He's allowed to happen and use it for a bigger, greater purpose. And then, before you throw a rock at somebody else, just remember your own stuff. Aren't you ready to give those rocks to Jesus? Aren't, aren't you ready to unload yourself of the weight? It's heavy. And can I just be honest? Some, some of you, you, you can see it. You, you can see it with the way that you walk. You can see it with the way that you talk. You, you can see it in your eyes that you've been carrying that bag of rocks for a long time can I be honest for some of you it's your identity it's who you are you've become the bag of rocks and everybody knows that every every time somebody talks to you you have to reach down and say well let me let me let me tell you about this rock and then and then you put that one aside and then you reach down and it's become your identity your whole bag of rocks it's become who you are aren't you ready to let it go don't you want to be free so if you're here this morning And maybe you'd be like me and say, man, I have so struggled with my pack of rocks. And I do want to to let it go, and I I want to focus, and I want to be able to not be angry at God because I know that He's in control. But to be able to trust Him. And I can tell you, I can tell you, I've learned to trust Him. I haven't always trusted Him. Again, I wish I could tell you that was long ago when I was a young teenager and didn't know any better nope. it was through years of carrying around that bag of rocks they got heavier with every passing year of another rock being added but I've learned I can trust him so if you're just say if you just be honest enough I'm a follower of Jesus but I'm still struggling with those rocks I would love to pray for you. Could you just slip up your hand? Wow, thank you, Lord Jesus. You see the hands of people that are lifting up their hands to just to, to acknowledge, to confess that they got a bag of rocks that they've been carrying around. Maybe some for years. It's become their identity. It's who they are. All anybody knows about them, maybe, is that bag of rocks. Lord, they want to let it go, but Lord, that's not easy. Lord, I know that for me, that going to the cross, you know, just hanging out at the cross, just changes it all for me. You know Jesus, if anybody understands, is you. Lord I pray for these folks and I pray that right now you'll just speak into them Lord whisper in their ear and tell them that you love them and God for some honestly it may be tough for them to believe they may struggle with your love trying to figure that out but they're here this morning and God I pray that somehow in a supernatural way as only you can do that you'll show up and speak give them freedom, Lord. Freedom. We, we can't even do it on our own. We need you. If you're not a follower of Jesus, then I'm sure that you're fully aware of the heaviness of your sin. Man, I know what that feels like. I know what that feels like as a follower of Jesus, to, my theology to be so messed up that I didn't realize it he took care of all my rocks on the cross every single one of those were dealt with he paid the price for he literally took them away from me the moment that I prayed that prayer and said God forgive me he did and he forgave me of all the rocks so if you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus and you just say man I am so tired from the heaviness of my own sin and you just want to take that to Jesus then right there in your seat if you're willing to surrender your life to him then maybe you just pray a prayer something like this maybe you would say Heavenly Father literally right now my knees are buckling under the weight of my own sin. My bag's full. I've I've tried to get rid of the rocks on my own. But I can't. I've tried to be better and do better. But I can never be good enough. I keep going back to the same old rocks. So I'm asking you this morning to forgive me of my sin. I need you to take the rocks. The weight of my sin. I think you paid the price for it. You died on the cross to pay the penalty for all of my sin. And you're alive, and I know you're alive because I can feel your presence right now. So, to the best of my ability, I'm surrendering my life to you. Father, you're amazing. There is so much more to walking with you than just the moment we pray that prayer of salvation. There's so much to learn in that spiritual journey, Lord. We still have hurt and pain that we have to deal with. Learning how to forgive others, learning how to let go of the rocks. Bottom line is, Lord, the cross just settles so much of that. at least it does for me. To see the pain, the agony. Even, Even you, Jesus, cried out to your Father, why did you forsake me? Man, I know I've said that on more than one occasion. But to know that you have the power to take all of those nasty, ugly things and turn it into something incredibly beautiful if we'll just allow you. If we can just trust you. I just want to tell you that I love you. And I just want to thank you for being so faithful and so good to me. It's in your sweet name I pray.